This episode is brought to you by Portland Distro. If you love underground music and movies, go to portlanddistro.com for licensed shirts, vinyl, CDs, and more. Go to portlanddistro.com. Plug in the discount code MikeHill666 for 15% off at portlanddistro.com. All right, looking forward to this episode. It's a special one. Before we get into it, I have to give credit where credit is due. Shout out to my brother, Jackie Smith, the host of Into the Necrosphere podcast for turning me on to this band, Trivax. They're uh, a new discovery for me. They've been a band for over 10 years. And I'm fortunate to have Cheyenne to come on as a guest. So without further ado, let's get into it. I got into you guys about, I don't know, back in January maybe. I think uh, that the single had just come out. Um, and and I was, uh, you know, heard about you guys on the podcast. And, I, you know, obviously mm-hmm. I went out there right away, checked out what I was able to find. And the first thing I heard was the uh, the Into the Void, the two-track single. And um, sure. then I went back, you know, The World is Dead, excellent, The Full-Length Sin, and I know that you guys have a bunch of uh, other like demo releases, which are a little bit uh, more difficult to find. But is that stuff on your Bandcamp page? Yeah, yeah, or at least the stuff that we want you to hear. Okay. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. We've got uh, yeah. So the world is dead. I think I, I sort of consider that as our like first real release, uh, so to say. Uh, we did some like demos and like some other EPs before that, but I think World is Dead was sort of like where we sort of found our foot as a band but also myself as a musician as an artist i really found this sort of uh, I, I found this spot where i could really express myself obviously it's far from perfect you know but i think for what we had at the time you know that's still a release that i'm quite proud of to this day and yeah so the, the new uh, the new single that came out is there is there going to be a mm-hmm. full-length follow-up to that well, that's the idea, man. <laughs> We're uh, actually um, so the thing with Into the Void. Um, it's uh, right. You know what? I'm, I may as well just fucking go ahead and say it. Uh, can I swear on your podcast, by the way? Yeah, go ahead, man. This is Buck Wild. We yeah, yeah. Go for it out here. I know. I, I thought so. You know, I just wanted to make sure. You know, it, it's the. <laughs> um, um, you know, I, I know what I'm working with. Yeah. So basically. Uh, I'm just going to go out and say it into the void. The recording is actually from our next full length album recording. Okay. Ah, okay. So what we've done here is that uh, it's been mixed differently with a few elements here and there to create a package of its own. So I would even go as far as saying that you will actually hear that song later on um it will sound very different to how people will know it now but you will hear that song again and yes the plan is to release a follow-up album uh unfortunately at the moment we're a little bit stuck because of the uh because before the pandemic happened and all that stuff you know we didn't actually have a record deal you know and we were sort of like just casually searching for options and stuff that were out there 
And, uh, you know, that obviously uh, a lot of uh, record labels and bands kind of, I think, struggled when that happened because everyone had to then postpone albums. And now that things are kind of going back into motion, everyone is struggling, finding release dates for albums because all of the vinyl pressing companies are fully booked up for months and months in advance. So it's a bit of a tricky situation for us. We're pretty much, you know, we're ready to, uh, you know, we're ready to rock. You know, we're ready to just uh, uh, finally get this album out there. And uh, I think we've done a very good job of keeping the majority of it concealed as well, you know, because uh, obviously I might sound biased, but it is without a doubt the best thing we've done so far. You know, like people, this is this is one of the things that almost actually frustrates me nowadays uh, without going on too much of a tangent. But I feel like people who know Trivax don't actually know what we're capable of yet. Uh, unless they've either seen us live recently, which obviously it's been a while since we played anyway, or more importantly, hear what we've got on the new album. And, uh, you know, it's it's a tricky situation, uh, you know, trying to show that to people um, when, you know, when you still haven't actually released the album yet. So, uh, yeah, it's a tough one, but hopefully, um, fingers crossed, uh, if the right record uh, deal uh, comes along and the stars align which i'm sure they will i'm going to make sure that they do uh we will get this album out yeah yeah the stuff on into the void is any indication man i think the new full length would be great um aside aside from the title track uh the the sort of b-side that uh black nirvana i Mm -hmm. i really like that one man it's like uh very um it's almost like i don't know if you're into bands like fields of the nephilim or anything like that like kind of you know death rock uh, atmosphere sure. type stuff. A lot of it reminds me of that, and and this kind of dark, nightmarish kind of uh, atmosphere, like oh, this like contemplative kind of vibe in the song. And uh, mm-hmm. so I, you know that that right right away, even though it's an instrumental, and oftentimes bands put instrumental tracks on records to fill up space. It didn't feel like a space filler to me. It felt like something that was very intentional. Absolutely. Yes, you're right about that. Uh, first of all, just to open a little bracket here as well, I I really love the fact that you just mentioned Fields of the Nephilim. They're one of my favorite bands ever, and I would say that Elysium in particular is probably one of my favorite albums of all time, if not the most favorite album of all time, even though I can listen to it all the time because it just it takes my mind to kind of funny places you know that i can't always go to but that is you know without a doubt i'm I'm sure that even though it wasn't probably intentional i'm i wouldn't be surprised at all if uh some of their style um especially from album two and three uh might have leaked into uh my own music no doubt but the deal behind black nirvana was that so basically um into the void uh, i mean it's kind of a single, but we sort of actually, we actually tend to label it more as an EP and what it really is. Sure. Low key, it's kind of like a conceptual release. And the thing of that is that um, the song Into the Void itself, the title track and the A side, is basically, um, you know, that's sort of your journey of reaching the beyond. You know, it's, it's reaching the ultimate power. But that ultimate power is, in a way, it's sort of like, look at it this way. You've got a blank page, 
And then if you fill the entire page, you've got a blank page again. And it's that level of death. It's, it's reaching God level and, you know, just being in absolute void. And the B side, Black Nirvana, that is, that is the void, you know, and uh, that, that's, uh, you, you're basically, so the, the second track is essentially the second death in a way because if you listen to both songs as well and uh, this i can say to you like you know hand on my heart this actually was a completely coincidental situation but there is a point at the end of both tracks where you reach a climax and then after that everything goes quiet so that means that you hit your target you reached death and if you put both tracks next to each other that point happens exactly at the same time on both tracks and they're they're exactly the same length as well and i shit you not that was completely accidental but also it made perfect sense um how it all came together so yeah that re that is really what that release is is uh, is reaching death and beyond that's interesting because uh the album cover is uh kali it's an image of kali and um mm -hmm. With a lot of uh, you know Hinduism, the idea of like ultimate objectivity. Uh, so you're referring. That's what it's making me think of that when you're talking about the void and mm -hmm. like the ideas of um, of being objective and sort of detached from like the material world. And that is what comes to mind when you talk about these things. Yeah, absolutely. That is one hundred percent one of the aspects of uh, what the whole thing is about. But really. The work of Trivex as a whole uh, represents, you know, it is always about reaching a state of the beyond, you know. And, uh, yeah, it is very much, uh, even when um, in some of our songs we speak of a more materialistic setting, uh, so to speak, it's always about bringing in something unknown from the other side into this world and manifesting that other realm you know and that other uh sort of divine energy that exists beyond the walls of our own reality that's so, a, yeah that's definitely uh some heavy subtext in uh the material <laughs> yeah oh yes yes for sure it's uh you know it's almost like it's a bit difficult to even talk about it if i'm honest with you but um you know i'm i'm trying my best to find ways around it it's really one of those things that you have to sit through the experience. I mean, Into the Void as a song. Um, I mean, I initially wrote that one back in, uh, I think, 11th of November 2017, if I'm correct. And uh, this was actually the result of, um, you know, something I was doing at the time, which actually probably best if i don't talk about it but <laughs> yeah I, I apologize for the cocktees but um, it's uh, i think it's, it's one of those songs you know it was sort of like it just came out of nowhere you know it just got like birthed into into my hands you know like whilst i was just like sitting there and you know trying to find that uh, sort of nerve within myself where where all the good stuff comes from um but yeah basically um yeah, it's very meticulously designed uh, to create an experience for uh, the consciousness, but foremost, the subconsciousness. 
And uh, every time we play, we have played that, whether in rehearsal or live, because we did actually play this live during the last tour we did before lockdown. It, there's always something special that is happening, you know, and uh, I've seen the results and the fruits of how it can impact um, things around us when things are designed in that way. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of like one of the one of the cornerstones of, uh, I don't know, for lack of a better term, uh, like ceremonial magic. Um, you know, you have certain colors, certain structures, certain symbols, things like that assembled in a way to uh, achieve an intention. And um, I think that's a common, sort of a common thing among bands that operate within the black metal world. I feel like that symbols and intention and uh, it's almost beyond the music in some ways. Yes, I agree. But I also believe that there is, uh, you know, on the surface, it might seem like that. But I also feel like um, if you really dig deep, majority of the bands really lack heart when it comes to that. You know, I'm one of those people. I, I obviously I have a very vast interest in the subject of occult and uh, like you said you know anything to do with ceremonial magic uh, high magic it's the, the list goes on you know but i also believe that you can know everything and you you can read like thousands of books but unless you've got heart and unless you can deliver and unless you can do this with meaning rather than just fitting into something then there's really no point you know, that's kind of like, I'm very much about doing. I'm about doing and believing and moving forward with something rather than just doing it for the sake of it or just for the sake of displaying that I'm doing something. If that makes sense, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's like an, you know, sometimes people can get very academic about these things and it lacks the practical element of it, I guess is, uh, I guess is what we're trying to say. Yeah. 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 I, I suppose you could put it like that for sure. Yeah. Trivax has existed, though I'm just finding out about you guys. The band has been active since 2009. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, I just, wow. it, it's been many, over a decade of, of constant work for you guys. And one of the things that's, um, I learned about this on, on the podcast, the, uh, the Into the Necrosphere podcast, and, uh, is that you were born in Iran. And you migrated to uh, to the UK, and when I heard about that story, um, you know, being being someone who grew up here in, in the United States and uh, you know in the West, uh, there's definitely ideas about what uh, you know the Middle East is like and uh, living in a country that is uh, there, there's no difference between religion and state, and uh, so that. Mm -hmm that repressive environment, like how the hell did you find metal and specifically how did you find black metal? <laughs> um, tell you what, man. Um, I always say it's one of those situations where it found me rather than the other way around. Right. Uh, I know I've, I've said this before, you know, but it is, you know, it's, it's just the truth of it, you know. Um, it's one of those situations. I think when I look back at my own life, um, I mean, I suppose as anyone does, you always see patterns that, you know, like when you, when you find yourself in situations and then later you look back at it, you think, oh, yeah, I was 
meant to do that. I was meant to end up in that situation because that's my purpose, you know. And for me, metal and black metal, it was just like, you know, it was like peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was just like, you know, when the kind of like kid that I was growing up, you know, it was like, um, uh, I don't know how much of a psychological analysis I can even do about it really but it, it totally makes sense like observing my own personality and how i ended up clicking with such a thing so much but really i think it came from um i think i accidentally you asked me how i found it i accidentally always kind of crossed paths with it here and there whether it was through uh well i, I used to be a really big wrestling fan um where when I was a kid, um, that was another thing I found through complete accident. But obviously, there was some of some elements of uh, metal and heavy metal in that. Sure. Yeah. And then later on, yeah. And then later on, you know, like from music videos uh, or, or like video games and things like that. You know, I, I always heard that, and I always had a very unreasonably uh, like super excited reaction to anything that sounded heavy and sounded like I, I i just went went fucking nuts you know like I, I was a really weird kid like i was quiet um a lot of times but there were some things that just really gave me like a massive adrenaline boost and you know uh probably some degree of adhd as well you know but like there were some things that, that really got me excited and i think um i remember uh yeah, I think I think what did it was just seeing Metallica on satellite TV, which is illegal, which is like a whole other story of its own. And the volume was off on, on the fucking TV. But for some reason, when I saw James Edfield, I was like, that's it. You know, Eureka, that's that's me in the future. You know, that's that's exactly what I'm going to do. And for some reason, that moment, even though it only lasted for seconds or maybe minutes at most, uh, ended up actually defining the rest of my life. And you know, I am here today talking to you because of that moment. Well, all right, let's let's back up for a second because uh, you you indicated that it was illegal to see things like Metallica on television, and uh, so my, my mm -hmm. understanding, Iran is a is a Shiite state. Is that correct? It's, right. So if we're gonna go there, basically, let's um, let's 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 set a few like. Uh, basic uh, explanations, you know, just to kind of give an understanding sure. of why the fuck it's even illegal. You know, why is it like that? You know, why is this such an obscure thing over there? Is this because it's a lesser privileged country? I might say no, especially not at the time. And certainly not from uh, the background that I came from. What made it different is the fact that you got a country like Iran, and they're obviously in the per political uh, map of the world. Iran has a very special, but also a very sensitive uh, position. And basically, what you got there is uh, back in 1978, I believe, um, there was uh, countrywide uh, protests and riots, and basically they kicked out the Shah of Iran, who was the, the Shah being the king. You know, they, we had a royal family back then. Right. 
you know. And then uh, momentarily, we went from being a country that is very culturally rich and privileged to uh, somewhat backwards place because um, basically, you know, like any other situation, people were, you know, they were scammed. They were fooled into voting for the country to turn into an Islamic republic. Okay. And uh, obviously at the time they didn't feel bad about it or anything like that. I mean, the voting system, I think 97.5 or 98.5% of the population voted yes to uh, the country becoming the Islamic Republic. And since then, it's just been, you know, it's been a, it's been a slippery slope, you know, because we've uh, we we downgraded because islam as a religion is extremely restrictive of many things uh it is uh, horrendously um sort of b- uh, betraying of uh, any female entities um whether on a spiritual scale if you really want to get into it uh or even just on a sh- social scale um you know uh, women and are just like extremely, extremely oppressed in in Islam, and it's it's fucking nuts. But aside from that, um, it is a very strict religion, you know. So a lot of the practices, um, you know, like for example, the leader at the time, he would come out and say stuff like, "Anyone who is listening to music or playing music, go and arrest them and beat them up and." You know, what they are doing is, is not nice and, and it's haram and is making Allah upset. You know, go fuck them up. And this was at the time, this wasn't even metal. I don't think metal even really properly existed back then. Obviously, like the new wave of heavy, British heavy metal will have been around at that time. But I don't even know if that had any presence whatsoever in Iran. This was just normal pop music that they were trying to fuck people up with, you know. And uh, yeah, so you take that and then you move forward with it. And then it's like, yeah, maybe it got a bit more loose over the years, but not that much. So you get someone like myself growing up uh, in the 90s and 2000s. And then, you know, um, if we're listening to any Western music, then, uh, you know, there's consequences to that because it goes against the religion and it goes against the initial words of the Islamic Revolution leader. Well, actually, let, let, me, let me jump in here with a quick question, and this is more from my own personal knowledge. Is uh, the the difference between uh, the Sunni and the Shia though? Is that isn't it that? Uh, I mean, once again, if I if I'm coming off as completely ignorant, I apologize. But uh, my, my understanding is that with the Shia, they rely primarily on like a representative to interpret the words of God, uh, like in the case would be the Ayatollahs. So. In that case, there is that human corruption element, which, uh, you know, that, that level of control where it breaks down to an individual claiming that he's interpreting some kind of divine, you know, uh, mission or something like that. And uh, is that why? I, I mean, once again, this is just like my own personal knowledge, seeking to gain more understanding of, of uh, you know, just the situations in different parts of the world. 
I believe so. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's ignorant at all. I think uh, you're probably amongst the fewer people who actually knows that there are different branches of uh, <laughs> being a Muslim. You know. Oh, okay. So um, yeah, not not at all. I think I think that that's a very good question, and I do believe that is the case. Yes, because uh, one of the main disagreements that I believe the Shias and the Sunnis have is that uh, I call them the Sony Ericsons, uh, but uh, they're uh, you know they're uh, yeah so. The Shias follow the descendants of Muhammad, you know, and we actually have a very interesting situation with them where it's so much like Christianity with Jesus coming back, where uh, Mehdi, I believe Muhammad's 12th descendant, is supposed to have disappeared and he's supposed to come back when Armageddon happens. And uh, yeah, you know, and, and all the other descendants were like murdered and killed somehow and you know, they still mourn them to this day. But yes, you are right. There's always like that representative, you know, that they look up to. And uh, yeah, is Islam's a very, very strange game, you know, because they all, you know, you have so many people like just making shit up as, as they go along. You know, I mean, nowadays you get adverts on Facebook all the time where they're like, oh, yes, if you donate to building this mosque, you're going to you're going to go to heaven. and Allah's going to save you like some extra goats up there or some shit like that. I don't, I don't know how, I don't exactly know how they calculate to measure these things, but, uh, <laughs> you know, the, you always see things like that. And people are always like, people just want to feel like they're doing good. You know what I mean? Sure. People don't uh, feel comfortable with the idea of having to question things or having to, uh, you know, they just want to do something and then, feel comfortable to themselves that oh yeah what i did eventually at some point is going to turn into something good you know it's almost like having a fucking savings account or some shit like that you know this is how people approach their good deeds when it comes to religion and islam in particular uh so yeah yeah it's it's, it's very much one of those things there's always a human representative you know and as long as it's under the name of allah they seem to get away with saying whatever the fuck they want you know, I, I mean, tell you what, since we're on the topic, um, if you have any questions, don't forget them. But I have something important to add here as well in regards to that. So say, for example, there is actually a surah in Quran. Um, I, I, re I forget the actual um, number of the verse and uh, which one it is. But basically, this verse basically says that a man is allowed to uh, if his wife is disobedient towards him he is allowed to basically deprive her of being in bed with him and he is allowed to beat her up so actual like physical violence domestic you know and now this is actually something that is in the quran and uh, if i remember the exact number i will tell you but uh, I think all you have to do is just Google wife-beating verse in Quran and it'll come up, right? Yeah. And now what you get is all these fuckers uh, who are trying to justify it. And I've watched so many videos on this, you know, where it's like you get like the modern-day uh, Islamist guy saying like, oh, no, but what Allah said was that you're meant to smack her very lightly or some shit like that. You know, like they're trying to justify domestic fucking violence oh, preached by their religion, you know, and I think it's fucking disgusting. Yeah. And uh, what what hurts me more, I mean, I've, um, I mentioned this on Jackie's podcast as well. What fucking 
boils my blood and just doesn't make any sense to me is is when like you get all this uh, you you get actual like feminists uh, who just because out of spite they want to say you know like uh, liber liberty and equality for all being like oh yeah islam is good islam is great and it's like no if you lived in an islamic country you know you'd be forced to wear hijabs which is the least feminist thing you would ever be reduced to doing and uh, yeah I, I i just don't understand it man and i really wish people understood the threats of um, this religion and all religions before just blindingly like accepting all of them uh, so easily well yeah I mean, i've always thought that any kind of monotheistic religion was really just designed to control people you know in general mm -hmm. and um you know even if say way back in time if some prophet did have some kind of experience where he got some sort of divine message from the beyond uh maybe his um you know his spirit might be pure but that translation once greedy politicians get involved and people are trying to control other people get involved that's when it gets perverted and turned into this weapon absolutely i mean islam you know what it has one advantage over everything else and this is why it's a scary situation this is why for example uh, they are so forcefully accommodating towards it especially in the uk and it's because all religions they sort of they, they're a business you know the monotheistic religions um, they're a business you know they revolve around money islam is the one religion that has successfully, uh, I think more so than Christianity, they've successfully been able to sell people something that isn't actually there. They've been able to uh, convince people to do things without any monetary excuse because all your reward is up in heaven. So why the fuck would you want anything here? Now, what weapon is more dangerous than having an entire entire masses across the world on your side without having to sell them anything and in return have them give you everything including their lives you know this is how you get suicide bombers you know you you've now convinced someone that their reward is in the afterlife so why the fuck do they need millions of dollars or whatever to do something it's a very scary situation you know but They've done it very successfully, and uh, I think by the time people figure out how much of a shit show this really is, uh, I fear it might be too late. Yeah, it is. It is terrifying, um, you know, and sad in a lot of ways that you know mm -hmm. the, the, the manipulation that goes on. It's it's uh, in the name of some higher power, you know, and. And, and with any religion, I always go back to like the guy at the beginning might actually have had like a pure heart, you know, be it Jesus or Muhammad or whoever. And then once all the other fuckheads get involved, they turn it into this other thing and it just becomes like a, a tragedy, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, because there's always agendas involved, you know, and it's like that with with politics. You know, I, I've always said this. I have no doubt that there are politicians out there that have a good heart, but they're all fucking corrupt because that's yeah. how the system is built. You know, that's you have no choice but to give in to that system. Even if you have good visions of your own, you have to make a lot of compromises before you can even get to a point of 
pulling them off. Otherwise, you wouldn't even be in a position of power. You know, that's just how it works in our world, um, un unfortunately. But um, it's down to the people to change that. So growing up in this uh, environment with a lot of this uh, religious dogma and all this other stuff surrounding you, when you started <clears throat> embracing, you know, this like, for lack of a better term, like a more left-hand path sort of, uh, you know, e existence, how much of a struggle was that for you? Massively, big time. <laughs> yeah, I can, ima you I can know, imagine um, what that's like, you know. Because you think of religious dogma, I mean, if someone is listening to this and they've grown up in a Western country, they might think of religious dogma as it's, it's select few people around them. And that still feels shitty to have that kind of oppression. But in my case, imagine it's you versus the entire society are all around you. Okay? It is everyone. And the thing with Iran as well is that the religion is rooted so deeply within the psyche of everyone. Even the non-believers would be like, well, hold on a second. Why, why are you saying that? Stop it. You're, 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 you're fucking, you're, you're putting yourself and us in danger. Stop. You know, like, it's like, that's the mentality of everyone. And uh, that's a, that's a weird situation to be in. You know, you become, um, I've always been, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a very resilient person and I'm kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm not really afraid of taking risks. And uh, I certainly did things whilst I was there that could have en ended very badly for me, you know. So I'm lucky to still be here right now. Um, but also, I want to say that, um, you know, um, it's, it's still not easy, you know. That doesn't matter how strong you are as a person. It doesn't make it any easier being around that. It doesn't make it any easier when the entire world is against you and you're against the entire world because you see things differently, you know. And, you know, it's, it's a scary situation. But, you know, uh, I also have to say that that's actually conditioned me more to be at where I am today, especially with all the COVID stuff happening. I feel like I'm in a similar spot now than I was back then in Iran, where it's sort of like a me versus the world situation, except that I'm a lot smarter about it nowadays, you know. So, yeah, yeah it wasn't easy. Uh, you know, like imagine like listening to music. I'll, I'll make you like a few examples of like, you know, um, you know, I, I'd just be like, I don't know, in the park, you know, uh, with some of my friends and, we used to, um, I used to have like one of those small shitty phones, you know, back in like 2008 or nine, maybe. Right. And then we used to go to the park. We literally, me and my like one or two friends used to meet up there. And then we used to actually find bushes in the park, like in the sideways where like the police couldn't see us. And then we used to go there and then we used to like play like mayhem and emperor out of our phones. And we used to like actually headbang to it. And that was our fun. That was our fucking outlet as uh, at that age. You know what I mean? Um, it was like uh, that's that's how we uh, that's how we got our fix. You know, we can't go to gigs, so we make that happen for ourselves. Which uh, I um, I never want to be that person who, who rubs that in people's faces. But I, I 
the more and more I've lived here, the more I've realized that people are actually really fucking complacent and they don't actually appreciate this massive treasure that they're currently sitting on, which is slowly being taken away from them. Yeah, that's the thing, man. And especially over the last couple of years, at least, you know, here in the States, too. I mean, it's um, I, I personally didn't realize how much freedom I had until there was nothing to do. Like everything I enjoyed about life was shut down and taken away from me. And, and I just had to stay home and, you know, figure out another thing to make myself feel like I was alive, you know. And, and that is uh, when it when you realize that this entitlement that people have to, oh, yeah, I could just do whatever I want culturally. When that's taken away from you, you realize about how much freedom you actually had and lost, you know, and that's, yeah. uh, that's, that's just an incredible feeling. And the, the really sad part of it is the fact that because people aren't used to fighting for this freedom, uh, you can basically uh, treat them however way you want from an authoritarian perspective. You can just like, you can you can give people little bits and then it's like they're happy with it they don't want the full thing they just want a little bit just to feel like it's the idea of being free rather than actually being free you know and then they're they're happy with that and i think only some of us understand what it truly means to be free and to really fight for your freedom and uh you know i mean i've don't get me wrong i've certainly been through my phases during the last a uh, year and a half or so where I've just sat there and I've not felt like doing anything. Um, but it's like, I am also one of those people that when, if I ever get into that kind of zone where I'm not doing much or I'm not being productive, I just have this feeling that fucking eats away at me from the inside where it's like, you know, what, what the fuck are you doing? Just like, come on. you know. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So, um, uh, you know, it's 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 a it's a tough one. You know, I don't think any of us. You know, doesn't matter how how much we might even claim to be. I don't think any of us were conditioned for these circumstances. But in hindsight, they're not even extreme circumstances. Far from it. Not even close. You know, and it just goes to show how comfort and complacency in the modern age weakens us. Oh yeah, I mean that's always been the case. I mean, I I follow a lot of combat sports, and you always see like. You know, like boxers, they start making millions of dollars, and that that desire for success, that desire to achieve, it's, it slowly disappears, and that's when those guys start getting knocked out. I mean, you know, you can see that. I mean, the perfect example of that, you know, if if that's the realm we're getting into. I mean, I'm a fucking huge fan of him, but uh, Jorge Masvidal getting knocked out by uh, Usman. Was oh it? yeah, you know, like. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, that was exactly the case. He even said it himself as well, you know. I mean, I, I, I fucking, I, I really like that guy, you know. He, I think I think he's even got a close birthday to me, you know, so. But, <laughs> but like, yeah, that's it. That, that happens, you know. You can never lose the fire. You can never lose the hunger, um, you know. And it's like, if you do, you, you need to know that you need to walk away, Um and uh, make sure that when you're doing something, always do it for the right reasons and do it for integrity. And uh, yeah, I think one thing that always helps is remembering also where you come from, remembering what got you to where you are now, remembering that much of this world is an illusion. Do you know what I'm saying? I know exactly what you're saying because uh, 
there's whole philosophies built on the fact that all of our the world really is our perception of it you know and it's like yeah the, thing, the things that we don't see uh once again i like to you know i don't really i'm not really into buddhism or or you know the hindu i i'm familiar with their ideas but it's not something i really follow but that's like a very buddhist idea is that the world is like a total illusion everything's connected but it's all part of like one continuum you know what i mean mm-hmm. so yeah it's something i ponder yeah. a lot Absolutely. And I fully agree with that. And you know what? This is exactly, that's the kind of mindset and mentality that, you know, earlier when I was saying to you that black metal found me and it made sense when looking back now why I ended up in those situations, it connects exactly with that theory that you just described. You know, it's like, it's, it's it, that that's what's meant to be. It's, it's the correct design for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like subconsciously you just attract the things that are of you. You are the world. The world is you. It's all connected. When did Trivax actually Trivax actually start? Like when did you actually start doing the band, writing material, put together a lineup? So uh, we've got like, um, see like for example, you said we've been around for over 10 years. Um, to me, Trivax has uh, three different um starting moments right okay the first one obviously being april 2009 where i formed a band uh i had already started writing some music but i formed a band with myself and uh a gentleman uh, i won't give his full name because uh, i don't want him to get fucked up but <laughs> his uh he goes by the name lord atlas aka la he's the vocalist in a band called uh, Lavizan Jangal, and uh, yeah, who Tribex actually got its uh, name from, from one of their early albums, which uh, was never actually fully released. Um, but um, yeah, so me and him, we kind of formed Tribex together. I mean, it was my band. I said to him, I said, if you go and learn how to play drums, then you can be in my band. And then he was like, all right, cool, let's do it then. <laughs> you know, that was basically awesome. like, yeah, yeah, that's that's basically what it was. You know, we were just friends in school, and I always really hated him before that as well because he was a lot into hip hop, you know, and he used to always really piss me off. But for some reason, you know, me and him just ended up becoming best friends. And I was just talking to him like earlier today, you know, um, and uh, yeah, it's like so I started the band with him, and then we went on, and um, we never really had a real band, you know. Because he struggled getting a drum kit, so I ended up becoming a bass player. And then after a while, he was getting on my nerves too much, so I kind of I told him I was like, I don't want you in the band anymore. And uh, <laughs> you know, but then we still stayed friends, and then he came back in the band. And it's a very complicated relationship, but um, I think so. That was April two thousand nine, and then November two thousand ten was when I actually ended up discovering. Uh, guys through total accident like honestly like there was no fucking forums or uh, even Facebook wasn't even really that big back then you know so it was like I had no idea that other musicians in Iran even existed you know I, I literally knew nobody you know and you like finding a drummer is hard enough in England you can imagine what it was like uh, in Iran you know I, I, but that, that's crazy man because like and also, all all throughout this whole thing, you you guys are doing blasphemous, sacrilegious things, you know. And it's like absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Absolutely, man. Fucking hell. Like some of the shit that we did, especially between 2009 and 11, it was just fucking crazy. I, I don't know how we didn't get arrested. You know, like it was, we only didn't get arrested because we weren't caught for some of the stuff we were doing and saying, you know, that's simply what it is. I mean, I remember burning a fucking, you know, like in our school, they gave us like a, like a Quran, you know, and uh, I'll probably get fucked for just saying this now, to be honest with you, but yeah, we, we took it to uh, to that local park of ours, you know, where we used to headbang, and I, I fucking set the thing on fire, you know, and it was the most beautiful thing, you know, just watching all those dirty verses being uh, burnt out. So anyway, um, <laughs> a lot of venom when it comes to that religion. But yeah, so in uh, November 2010 was when I found Kayvon, who ended up being the drummer in the band, uh, and Sino, who was the bass player, and also I met, uh, uh, we had a guitarist at the time as well, you know, who low-key ended up being actually a bit of a black metal fan, but then we had to kick him out because he wasn't as good as I was. And, uh, you know, it was a very wild kind of um, situation there, and we were all quite young, so, yeah. So, yeah, that, that was the second beginning of Trivex, you know, um, where it was an actual band, and then for the first time I was actually getting to play with people who had a drum kit and we all grew a lot in that short space of time and man it was it was fucking crazy like nothing i will never ever forget the time i had with those guys when we were actually a band because it honestly it was one of the most like just it was just fierce everything was just insane you know like some of the shit we were doing and there was just so much fire between us uh and i still say to this day it's a shame we never recorded anything but um also that we didn't actually get along that much either you know so it was just like a lot of that fire and tension was just translating in different ways rather than towards each other right right but uh, yeah so funnily enough the band actually did kind of disintegrate just before i, I was to leave iran uh, where my bass player and drummer nearly ended up killing each other in in the basement you know where like I think the the bass player stabbed the drum in the neck with a pair of scissors, you know, and the drummer, like, bit his arm, you know, and took a chunk of skin out oh, of his man. fucking forearm. It was it was one of the, like, most brutal things I've ever seen. And the entire time I was just kind of stood there. But, yeah, it was, it was a really beautiful thing to be able to see something like that in person. But also, like, you know, uh, I kind of realized, like, okay, you know, I don't think this is, I'm, I'm, I'm really going to go anywhere further with these idiots. And uh, <laughs> you know, even though I was actually the youngest member of the band by like three, four years, you know, uh, I still like kind of like orchestrated a lot of what we did, artistically speaking. And uh, yeah, so that was uh, I think we disintegrated maybe I think June, July 2011, and then literally September 2011, uh, I moved to England and then reformed the band with uh, with a British lineup. Uh, with myself on guitars and uh, vocals. When you were living in Iran and doing the black metal band, doing that Trivax tri Iran, for lack of a better term, were, did you wear like a leather jacket and like spikes and stuff like that? I know it sounds like a funny question, but like that would like definitely put a target on your back, I imagine. Listen, man, owning anything like owning a leather jacket or anything with spikes would have been my fucking dream back in the day right. yeah, <laughs> you know like I, I wish you know yeah i i wish i owned stuff like that man i i remember it, it was like you know that would have 
been a dream. No, I, I certainly like even a T-shirt. I didn't even have access to any band T-shirts until like maybe just the last few months I was there because we found these guys who were uh, there's a street in Tehran called Jompuri and uh, there was actually like they they like import instruments but also one of the instrument shops they actually uh, started importing like t-shirts from Thailand and uh, you know so that was like our source of getting band shirts as well and it was really fucking cool i remember one <laughs> oh this one always gets me man so i was visiting there uh, one time it was around the same area uh, and my friend took me to this underground uh, metal shop you know and then they had the t-shirts and they had a fucking hoodie and you know you know Marduk yeah yeah of course you yeah. know how the yeah yeah the fucking killer but then they've got the logo and it's an inverted cross and yep. it's a 666 right yeah. so on fucking <laughs> on both sides of the hoodie they had the logo printed but because it was bootleg they had <laughs> printed the logo upside down so you had a normal cross and then underneath it it said 999 <laughs> <That's> <laughs> you know? awesome, man. That's funny. <laughs> yeah and i remember like almost like being in tears when i saw that in the shop and i was telling the guy like what the fuck is this and he looked really upset and offended he was like what what's wrong with it what are you laughing at you know i was just like i had to compose myself but it was like one of the funniest things um so yeah, you definitely had stuff like that there, but uh, yeah, leather and spikes, man. I, I fucking I wish I had I owned something like that. Um, yeah, I remember even corpse paint, you know, because we had an obsession with like finding ways to do corpse paint. And I remember when I was fourteen years old. So I'm one year older than uh, Lord Atlas, who's uh, who's the vocalist from Lavizon. He's uh, so I was fourteen, and I think he was thirteen years old. And me and him used to go around this, uh, this uh, like um, sort of like a mall in Tehran, and then we we were looking specifically for the makeup shops just to go and buy corpse paint. And then we went into this shop, and it was this woman, you know, looking all innocent, you know, and she's wearing the hijab and whatever. And we were like, "Excuse me, have you got any like black and white face paint or anything like that?" And she was like, "I'm not sure what you're looking for, or anything like that." So. What we did was was like let's show her an, an example, and I showed her a picture of a maniac when he was fronting mayhem, a picture of him from I think two thousand three when he had that really weird like almost Zorro kind of makeup where he yeah. just had his eyes painted black and the rest of his face white, and I showed her that I was like I want to look like this, and then the woman looked like she was about to fucking call the security man. She was like, what the <laughs> fuck are you guys doing? You know, isn't isn't this called Satanism or whatever? <laughs> and uh, yeah, it, it was good times. I do kind of low key kind of miss it. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. uh, everything is too accessible here. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm joking, obviously, but yeah, yeah, good times. When you landed in the UK, how did you meet people? How did you even meet anyone? Because I know, like, even myself, because I've lived in several different cities across the United States, and like, it's almost impossible to find the right people. You know what I mean? To play with and stuff. Oh, it, it's fucking, that was, it's been tough, man. I've, I've, I've had a very hard time, you know, like I've, I'll be honest with you. Like, like I said to you, I'm a fucking resilient person. You know, I'm, I'm one of those guys that it's like, you know, if there's a nuclear explosion, I'll probably stand there and argue with the explosion. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm kind of a bit like that, but, uh, <laughs> um, it's like, you know, um, yeah, I did. I didn't know anyone. I just went to uh, I went to a college, uh, 
And uh, when I went to the college, um, that's kind of like after about three months of like advertising, shitloads of Facebook posts. But it's like no one, no one even wanted to, no one even cared to know who I was. You know, no one even wanted to know me. You know, they, they were just like it's, you know, it's, it's just some guy from Iran. And the perception of a normal guy from the Middle East. Uh, at that age is nothing like what I was like at that age, you know, where I'm like fucking, you know, blasting Behexen and Marduk 24-7, you know, and then I'm after like making blasphemous music and shit. And all you're surrounded by is teenagers who just want to fucking play Minecraft. You know what I mean? Right. right it's a, it's yeah. a, it's a, it's a fucking tough, it's tough being that much of a black sheep. Um, but also I, I do take pride in it as well. Uh, but yeah, I, I was lucky, you know, I managed to uh, meet the Trivex guys. Um, well, they did the first lineup in uh, whilst I was at college. I mean, I'm still, I'm still with the same drummer now, actually, weirdly enough. Me and him, this December, we have been playing together for 10 fucking years, you know. And uh, yeah, it's just like, um, yeah, I met those guys and then they weren't fully on my level, to be honest with you. They weren't like listening to exactly what I was listening to. But our uh, old uh, guitarist uh, who uh, joined us then, he had some like closer tendencies to like, he, he at least like knew Mayhem and stuff like that. So then I could click with him more and then through him I could collect more with, with the other guys. And then we sort of started out, you know, just by, I had to kind of like lube them in, you know, into my world where it was like, okay, let's start playing Metallica covers. And then it's like, oh, you know, so next week we want to do a cover by, I don't know, like fucking... Death, you know, like we used to we used to cover death quite a bit. And then I slowly kind of like dragged the guys into my own world of like wanting to play extreme music. But um, even though we did what I wanted to do, at, it wasn't really they weren't really at the level that I wanted them to be. I wanted to, especially back then, I wanted the drummer who'd be able to play blast beats. You know, I wanted guys. I probably needed guys who were a lot older than me back then. Right. right. But, um, you know, it's just the way it went, you know, and. It took a long, long fucking time to build that up, but uh, I think now, for example, I probably pretty much know every person like in the UK scene, at least. You know what I mean? So um, it's just one of those. But it wasn't easy, you know. I spent a lot of years just being on my own, you know, with not really any real friends. You know what I mean? And uh, it's fucking hard because everyone's got their families when they're at that age. You know what I mean? And it's not like I came from a broken home. You know, I left my family just to come here and be able to play that music so it was definitely tough uh not having that but also you know it's uh that's also what's shaped me into who i am today you know so i, w I wouldn't really change it yeah it's always hard man I, I remember back in you know my early 20s i moved to boston of all towns and tried to like you know there, mm -hmm. was, uh, there was other reasons why i went there but playing music was a definitely a prime reason for me but yeah, man, you just feel like such an outsider and it, just trying to meet like the right people. It's like so challenging. You know? Absolutely, it is. But you know what? What's also really special about that is that when you do meet people that you click with, you value them. You really cherish that, that you know people like that, you know, and that you've had the opportunity to uh, click with them. So uh, I can I can only relate to how challenging that must have been, you know, uh, um especially uh i mean i mean america is, is such a fucking large country as well and uh even though i know that it has uh 
strong metal scene at parts it is also very it's very spread out isn't it you know and then it's kind of like yeah you know there's like large expanses of nothing that separate the the, uh, cities in this country yes yeah 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 so I, i do completely appreciate that you know i can only imagine how hard that must have been and I don't even know if uh, there was much social media then either to uh, help out with anything like that. No, no, not not when I was in my 20s. There was no cell phones either. It was just like, yeah. just kind of go out, go to places. You might know one or two people and you just sort of network like face to face with people back then, you know, which was mm-hmm. kind of cool, actually. I kind of missed that, to be honest. Yeah, for sure. I think that's definitely one of the things that is actually missing from metal in general nowadays, you know, like just the whole thing of writing letters and, you know, all those kind of things. Nowadays, it's all about, right, it's almost like any other marketing kind of situation where it's like, oh, yeah, you know, if you're sending an email to a label or whatever, you got to write the make the correct like sentence thing to get their attention and shit. Oh, yeah. everything is about pitching and sales and marketing which by the way i actually love that aspect of things but metal to me has always been a bit more than that you know metal to me is about making a human connection it's like oh yeah you're a bit like us oh we're a bit like each other you know so let's like kind of connect here over this and then let's see like you know how we can like feed off of each other on this you know that's kind of like that's what makes it special you know whether it's like you want to look back at like tape trading you know or like i said letters and things like that i mean every now and then uh i still have moments you know i mean i've i'm i'm quite lucky i'll be honest with you because because i never the background that i come from in iran i think is a lot more similar to how some of the how some of the original metalheads will have grown up with uh in terms of the accessibility and their passion for it you know what i mean sure um so because of that i do actually have a very sort of sometimes analog approach to things you know where i like actually writing people hand written letters and stuff like that you know obviously there's not many people i've done that with but it's like i've had like exchanges with people in bands who i've admired for fucking years you know and then i've got stuff from them they've got stuff from me and like but then we still keep in touch online, separate from that. And that's like, that's really fucking cool to me. You know, that I think with metal, you have to have that physical element because that's how you live through things. You know, you exist through those dimensions. It's like having a, it's like having an LP. When you have your band's LP um, and then someone gets that, that's a part of you. You're living life through that vinyl that's spinning somewhere in a place that you've never even been to personally. Do you know what I mean? That's how I look at it, anyway. Yeah, no, that's that's very similar to my viewpoints on that too. And and I I grew up in the physical world of going to record stores and buying zines and sending things to people in the mail and you know and all that sort of stuff. And you know, just some of the things like the records that I bought just because they have cool record covers or the band name is cool. You know, it's and then you you find like another person. Like back then, there was like a, such a smaller group of people that even knew about this stuff so if they had a t-shirt on like a sarcophago t-shirt or something of some obscure band then you knew that at least you had like that in common with them and that you might have things you don't like about that person you know you discover later on but at least you have that cultural like musical creative kind of thing going on which i nowadays it's it's really hard to just to determine who's who is actually into it 
and who is kind of just wearing the t-shirt you know what i mean yeah absolutely i mean it's like i mean i've got nothing really against it you know because if it brings any kind of unity to people then you know power to them but it's like i feel like a lot of metal nowadays it's like it's become about it's almost like the entirety of social media now is is like a one big fucking dating uh <laughs> community you know what i mean yeah, yeah it's definitely. like you get the girls looking for okay let me see who's the most obscure band i can find online you know and then they get an arch goat shirt and then you know like fucking you know crop the top so their tits pop out nice and good and then it's like put it up and then you know get all the all the metalhead guys and then everyone is like i don't know you know like in a way there's nothing wrong with that but it's like I feel like it's kind of missing the point. Do you know what I mean? I kind of feel like that's not, uh, you know, you know, if, if you want to look for partners online or whatever, absolutely not, no problem with that by all means. But it's like you're using something that people like myself find very sacred. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, is this, it has much higher potential than just, you know, getting wet over it. You know what I mean? You know, there's like, this is a thing of like personal strength and finding a higher level of being uh, and alternating consciousness. That's how I look at it. You know what I mean? And music as a whole can change fucking societies. Um, so I don't know. It, it kind of feels like uh, everyone's just kind of going for the easy option now because I doubt that the people who say, for example, meet up over these things, then sit down and talk about, oh, you know, so-and-so album. Wow. Yeah, that's that was really good. I love the bass sound on that. You know what I mean? Oh, I don't yeah. imagine those kind of conversations happening. <laughs> you know? Yeah, back in like, I think, I don't know. like maybe 2005, when I used to live in Brooklyn, and um, I was out sure. one night, and there was this girl wearing an Iron Maiden t-shirt, and uh, it was from one of the later tours, like, you know, like later meaning to me i'm a paul diano fan so the one that anything with uh, oh, bruce, cool. bruce dickinson i consider to be the later version of the band so i just sure. i started talking to her and i was like well, what's your favorite iron maiden record and you know just like not not confrontational just like oh yeah you got a t-shirt on you like killers whatever she had no idea she was like oh i just got this shirt at a used uh clothing store <laughs> that's disappointing <laughs> it is man and i was like oh wow that's yeah. a real real bummer you know <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, uh, I think uh, that not to go off on on a completely different tangent here, but I think the cusp of killers to peace of mind is always what I consider to be like the best moment for them, because it's like Paul Diano was fucking great, but then Peace of Mind is just such an insanely good album. It's kind of like, yeah, yeah, that's 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 the really really sweet spot. For yeah. me, you know, it, it always alternates between the two. If, if you know, like some days it's killers, some days it's you know. So anyway, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. About the you know, this shows you, by the way, like what what the priority levels in my own brain as well, and how I even respond to something like that, right? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like um, yeah, I, I completely understand that. In a way, I don't see too much wrong with it. Like everyone's always whinging about celebrities wearing metal shirts and stuff in a way i think it's kind of good because you know if all of the 13 14 year old teenagers are for example buying uh you know metallica from hot topic because they saw so and so wearing it on instagram 
that's not really the worst thing because you never know. That same person could then end up listening to album and then getting hooked on it, listening further back and then thinking what other bands are there. And then that same person could very easily, a few years down the line, be listening to Bathory. That's very possible, you know. And I think that people need to kind of give these things a chance, you know. I don't... I understand that there's going to be the impurities there, but you could listen to the most hardcore, true, obscure bands and still have that impure approach. That's down to the person, you know what I mean? Not so much the cultural wave of it. So I think that you're always going to have that. Um, so if it's going to be more people, why not? Let more people listen to what we do. Yeah, I, I know that for me, the, the whole T-shirt aspect of it is definitely something I pay attention attention to when I when I look. You know, I, I like back even back in the day with Metallica. That's how I found out about the Misfits because it's I would see those guys wearing Misfits T-shirts and I was like, that's a cool logo. It's a cool skull. Yeah. Let me, yeah, let me yeah. check this out. You know, and that's how I got. Yeah, into they the did Misfits. that a lot, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there, there's definitely something to be said for that. Yeah, sure. No, I remember like Cliff, especially, he always used to wear the, the Misfits shirt. But then James also did it with like that and Sam Hain as well, actually. Yeah, yeah which yeah. is pretty cool. That, that's, yeah. my, that's my favorite Danzig project is Sam Hain, definitely. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think I'm pretty sure I've, I've heard you say that before, you know, and I can I can probably see some kind of resemblance in, in what you do yourself uh, in sort of uh, like a more of a subtle resemblance in, in what you do yourself musically oh, uh thank you definitely yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's cool man uh, yeah for sure i think metallica did did a lot of good though despite being probably like the like logistically the the biggest metal band on the planet they, they've you know they've they've done wonders for everyone and i know they've they've done some moves that everyone always like criticizes them for but fucking hell man you know like they've they've opened a lot more doors than you know, they've uh, they've uh, sabotaged any for our genre and our music. You know, like you get you get all these like I know I'm going off on a tangent here, but I always have to like kind of stand the ground for Metallica at times, even though they don't need it. I always feel like you get all these extreme metal dudes, you know, wearing shorts and then going on stage playing on their fucking seven string Ibanez and then saying like, "Oh yeah, Lars is a shitty drummer." Well, motherfucker, if Lars wasn't drumming and wasn't doing what he did throughout his life. Half of your audience in that shitty club wouldn't even be there paying attention to what you're doing. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, you know, you always have to pay respect to... Uh, it's the same with, you know, it's, it's the same with, like, black metal fans uh, not paying respects to thrash metal. Thrash metal is, is the reason why a, a lot of this fucking shit happened. You know, it's, it, was the, it was the prime evolution that kind of, like, uh, led to everything else and then branched out, you know, and with death metal and black metal and all that so people need to you know need to respect the the traditions well i, I, I always agree with that too i mean i, I always like to especially the, at this stage in my life i kind of look at everything as like this kind of continuum you know and there's certain stuff I, it's like every different subgenre of music is almost like this harmonic of like one basic thing really and you know that's why like i can equally love you know, Joy Division, just as much as I love, you know, Mayhem, you know, they're completely different. Fuck but yeah. They, but they're the same, though, because there's there's that darkness to it. That's sort of, you know, they're just different expressions of like the same feelings, I guess. 
Absolutely, man. Fuck yeah. You know, like that's, uh, I completely agree with you there. I mean, we mentioned Fields of the Nephilim earlier, you know. Yeah. I mean, to me, you know, their albums are right up there with like some of Dissection's best records. You know, I mean, th- there wasn't many of them, but it's like, you know, the way I approached and, and listened to them, I might get slightly different experiences out of them, but, you know, the amount of admiration and adoration I have for them are probably somewhat equal. You know what I mean? Sure. So I do completely understand that. Yeah. Well, thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it. And um, I think we had a great talk. And uh, if you could just let everyone know out there that's listening where they can connect with you, like your band camp, you know, Facebook, like what's the best way to people to follow Tribex? And anywhere that they're comfortable following us, you know, like, I mean, Facebook is good. Instagram's a good one. We've been really active on there. But also, if you want to check, just check out our music, uh, you can just check out uh, trivex.bandcamp.com. You know, we've got the we've got our last uh, EP there and then the last full length album, which we released five years ago. And now, uh, hopefully, the next thing that we're going to do is release the next full length album. Uh, we're currently in search for a label as well, you know, so uh, if you've got anything for us, please be in touch, you know, and uh, and we'll talk business. But uh, yeah, um, yeah, I've, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really, uh, I'm really grateful and happy, actually, that I've even had the chance to, you know, just the fact that I can turn around to you and I can say that, oh, yeah, we're in a band, we're, we're doing this, we're playing this kind of music and then you know just the very basic thing that i've had the opportunity to do that um in spite of the background that i come from and where i've been uh, i'm i'm grateful you know so the fact that people have any kind of interest towards the music that we play and the art that we put out there means the fucking world to me you know well that's awesome man and uh Hopefully uh, not not before too long. Uh, I'll be out there in Europe and the UK. Maybe you and I can uh, can shake hands and hang out and have a pint at some point. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. That sounds fucking good, man. Uh, I, I don't really drink beer, you know, but uh, I, I still have a bit of whiskey every now and then, you know. So might get on that instead. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. you know. But uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, that sounds good to me, man. Uh, I, like I said to you uh, before we started the podcast as well, you know, I, I really like uh, uh, I, I really like tunes as well. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, the last record, um, which I discovered through our mutual friend Jackie, is, is fucking phenomenal. Great music, you know, good production, good hooks, everything. But also, I, you, I don't know if, if you get this a lot, but I actually quite like Anodyne as well. I am completely shocked that you know about that band because that's uh, yeah you know every now and then someone mentions that band and and I'm surprised because all the music is totally out of print right now as far as I, as far as I know it is you know there's the there's the odd YouTube footprints here and there you know <laughs> <laughs> no thank you thank you very much man no I really like that man lots of like good like really fucking aggressive riffs and just like mental shit you know like so uh you know i don't i don't envision what you must go through to come up with that but i admire the art that you've executed in the process of it so fuck yeah i appreciate that man that's great and uh i'm i'm happy that that music still is kind of reaching people that makes me happy 
Yeah, man, for sure. Yeah, so it's it's been a pleasure uh, talking to you as well. You know, thanks for having me on the podcast. Uh, yeah, it's been a good chat. <laughs>